Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. Our broadcast today comes from our most recent MetaStrategy Digital Symposium, and the topic is technology-led business model innovation. The panelists who spoke about, about it were Aether Williams, Head of Strategy, Digital Innovation at Wells Fargo, and Prakash Kota, the Chief Information Officer of Autodesk. The gentleman who led the conversation was MetaStrategy's Vice President and West Coast Lead, Chris Davis, who joins me now. Chris, welcome. Thank you, Peter. Great to be here. Chris, talk about the topic, technology-led business model innovation. Uh, why was this an appropriate topic for us to tackle, and why was it so interesting to you? Well, we thought technology-led business innovation was apropos for the moment. Coming out of the pandemic, the question is not, how quickly did you move your teams remote? The question is, how is your company's business operating model positioned to compete in the future? The majority of that differentiation, repositioning, and accelerated innovation cycles is going to be powered through technology. So we thought, what better than to do to tap two bright minds who are crafting the course for their organizations as they have technology-led business transformation? Thanks for that overview. Uh, now let's talk about the speakers themselves. I mentioned, of course, already Aether Williams of Wells Fargo and Prakash Kota of Autodesk. How did they come to personify this topic? Give us a brief overview before we hear from them uh, at length. Well, Peter, we wanted to tackle the question of technology-led business transformation from two different angles. In Wells Fargo with Aether Williams III, we wanted to look at how do you drive change in a large organization that's been around for a long time, who's feeling competitive pressures from multiple angles? How do you create the sense of urgency? How do you drive innovation to operate at speed and at scale? And in Prakash Kota, the CIO of Autodesk, we also wanted to look at an interesting example of a company that was not just a digital native, but they also had this interesting aspect that they've been around for a long time. Founded in 1982, they've also had to go through their own business model transformation really in the last seven years, shifting towards a subscription business model. And so we wanted to pick the brains of these two uh, individuals to understand how do you drive change? How do you mobilize a team through its operating model? How do you place your bets of the, the nice to have versus the must do, the off into the future versus the here and now? And so we thought these two executives would, would shine tactical and actionable insight into how other leaders can follow in their footsteps. Well, without further ado, let's get into the conversation. Technology-led business model innovation featuring Aether Williams of Wells Fargo and Prakash Kota of Autodesk in conversation with MetaStrategy's own Chris Davis. Aether and Prakash, welcome. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Excellent. Well, Prakash, you know, what's so interesting about Autodesk is it was founded in 1982. So despite being in the broader Silicon Valley Bay area, uh, despite being at the, the source of technology-led innovation, it's not a young company. It's not uh, an overnight unicorn. There's been a lot building to the double-digit growth that the company is now experiencing. And in uh, 2016, you had this, this sort of bet the company moment where you move the entire business to a subscription business model. And I'm wondering if you could sort of highlight for us, uh, what was that like in a company that had been around for a long time? It was successful, but you recognized there was a need to shift course, to, to chart a new path. And can you, you, you've been with the company for 17 years, so you've seen a lot of those pivots for the organization. I'm wondering if you can highlight for us, uh, what was that journey like and, and how did you navigate that as a leadership team? Yeah, no, first of all, thank you for uh, uh, having me, Chris. And when we look back now, it feels great 
and all success and uh, unicorns and rainbows and everything flying around water, waterfalls. But during that time, it was a lot of important and critical decisions and prioritizations that we needed to do. But the key thing was we burned the ships like and said there's no way to going back. Like we, we said we are we are off and this is our North Star and we are going. There's no path backwards. It's not there's no when you don't have a fail back option and when you declare to the street where you want to be and give specific measures on how you need to measure us in three years, five years, you need to achieve those goals. And so I would say that was one of the critical thing. It was a leader led transformation coming down from CEO, clearly telling the street and all of our customers and a lot of folks had a lot of questions. Is this truly possible of when because we used to ship DVDs to our customers? Can we really give access to our complex design software, which is heavy GP intensive? Can we really move those things to the cloud and can customers download from there and access it as they do? And can we give continuous value? So it was a huge, bold shift. But that kind of declarative statements are sometimes very important. Then the entire company marched towards how do we get there? And that's what we are right now. We've achieved uh, the goal and successfully completed being a subscription company on the other side and now embarking on a huge growth strategy. Ether, I'd like to connect that. Obviously, Wells Fargo, you know, $80 billion plus organization, multinational, many different business units in B2B, B2C. You yourself had a major P&L responsibility before taking on this purview across the bank. Um, how do you think about, uh, you used this term in your interview with Peter in January called, what historically used to be the providence of the bank is now up for grabs. There are people sort of approaching that. And I thought providence was such an interesting word of, you know, sort of implies a historical entitlement, like that we had a barrier to entry, it was hard to replicate. And now people are nipping at the long tail, as, as you've pointed out. So in your role with such a vast purview, how do you how do you create urgency when things are generally fairly successful? And how do you go, go through that process of identifying the innovation opportunities uh, in such a wide consideration set. Yeah, Chris, thanks. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. And it's, Prakash, it's great to uh, meet you virtually. Um, yeah, look, the, the, the financial services industry is going through a massive amount of change. And you have to step back and think about, all right, what are the couple things that have changed? So one is, as I mentioned in my conversation previously with Peter, one of the big barriers to entry in financial services was just tech spend. So you know, we spend somewhere in the order of $10 billion a year on technology between running the bank and changing the bank. And that's because it's built, it's, you know, hardwired to big data centers, it's siloed by product. Now in the last, call it, you know, seven to 10 years of migration seriously to the cloud, you can stand up a banking instance overnight. Like it's, that's it, no longer a barrier to entry. Um, so, and then candidly, the regulatory environment has changed as, people, individuals have wanted and companies have wanted to do more and even more control over their financial life. They've sort of, they want new experiences and the regulators have been willing to let that happen. So it's really forced us to think differently about how we um, really deal with our clients. And it's made us go from much more inwardly focused company where we're focused on our products to how would we go very outwardly focused and look solely at our clients. And when you look at the clients, whether the companies or individuals, 
you see some really big changes that have happened over the last you know few years. You know, everyone's been uh, saying that branch banking was going to die, and that's been that's been going on for the 30 years I've been in banking. But now actually, you can see that light at the end of the tunnel, and you can kind of see it saying, well, between face-to-face banker calls in the, in the, in the commercial and in corporate investment banking business to people interacting in branches for retail, that's changing dramatically because digital first is where everyone's going. The pandemic has only made that more prevalent. Even my 80-year-old parents bank on their phones now. And that's a huge shift. It didn't happen. It happened, you know, we've had 10 years of progress in the last three years. Um, so now for the point for Wells Fargo, mobile is our most engaging channel with our clients by a factor of 10. And so it's where we're dumping all of our resources in that. Customers also are really thinking about, you know, journeys versus products. Banks, traditionally, you built the product like the credit card in the 50s, and you just, you know, tweaked it over decades. Now people are saying, I want to buy something, but I don't want to use your credit card. I want to use my bank account. I want to use buy now, pay later. So they're really thinking about how you solve that problem differently. So the mindset shift we've had to create is, look, payments are a huge part of what we do. Um, that, that space is changing uh, greatly. And so by getting you know, our CEO and our CFO to understand the importance of that to, the, to our retaining our customer franchise and supporting our 70 million clients, that's critical. We look at that change, you can now say, okay, there's a case for us to do something different. And then how do we start going down that path and find the places where we can disrupt ourselves in a way that's accretive, but versus just purely destructive? And that's, that's been a mindset shift. And Kelly, it's been a lot of time for me to go around talking to individual PML owners, client bankers, and understand that the, the future is different. And it's not about you know, change or die, but it's like if we change and we change now, we can actually grow share. And that's really been the important change. Yeah, I think that's that, that what you said is uh, so interesting, Aether and, and Prakash. I want to sort of link that for you where Autodesk was. Uh, with AutoCAD, it was basically the equivalent of the Band-Aid or the Kleenex. It was like the only 3D design software for decades. And and now obviously there's other players and the company has expanded from architecture, engineering, construction into additional adjacencies around product design, media and entertainment. But how do you keep that fire lit? How do you take what you've done well from a business model platform around subscription, around your channel partners, and uh, as Aether put it, be accretive to what you've already built, uh, not sort of throw away or, or create unnecessary waste or duplication, but also not be complacent. Because I think that's such a dangerous trap when you have recurring revenue as a software company or you have a book of, of uh, deposits as a bank that we can fall into this complacency. And so how, do, how, how is Autodesk thinking about staying on, on the balls of your feet to keep that innovation cycle moving forward? Yeah, no, I think, see, as Aether mentioned, right, I think it is very, very important to understand the customer expectations are continuously evolving and changing. Like he said, the new way of engagement is mobile. So, which means they need to understand and start operating and giving value through that channel. So, the channels are evolving. And similarly for us, with the subscription model, while it is definitely recurring revenue is the one aspect of it, it's also continuous value that we need to give. Because... Customers also have a choice if they don't get value. If they get value, there is a recurring revenue. That's the positive side, which means we are, we have to be on toes. And it's not about just adding features to the products and shipping it to the customers. It's understanding how customers are using our software and what is important for them and where can we remove friction so that they can do their job effectively. So it's a lot of focus on value addition rather than just features. 
and and value from the lens of customer not from the lens of an engineer that i'm i'm very passionate about this product so i can think of 10 different cool things that i can add but if they are not valuable for you chris the customer then what is the what is the real reason of doing it so i think our mindset has shifted to really put the lens of a customer and the expectations and it's a continuous engagement it's not a one time thing and that's what makes it fun as part of this job it's like it's not like okay you have a roadmap for the next 3 years just keep executing on that no the expectations are changing every single day what was supposed to be an important thing one month back has probably shifted and changed and we need to evolve and have that agile mindset to adapt to that and that's what makes it fun i would say yeah and prakash i want to sort of build on the agile mindset cuz that was something you you highlighted in uh, your conversation with with peter back in january um prakash i'll go to you first how do you drive that from the top down in a, in our previous panel prakash uh you know we talked about yes software engineering teams if you grow up in tech agile was part of your dna how how has autodesk uh formulated from the top down an agile mindset to business planning strategic go-to-market activities how has that factored into to the executive conversation See, as we get feedback from customers and as we incorporate, there is always a mindset of can we test out? Because whatever we are developing and delivering, rather than trying to do it global rollouts and launches, if we think a particular capability, can we turn it on and see if it is truly adding value? And can we get feedback? So that is continuous engagement that happens with the user and the stakeholder who is probably having a strategy and vision to launch something, and the engineering team to develop it. so and some of these things could be i'm still testing it out or a prototype and that's the true agile mindset because sometimes the visualization of a what a stakeholder is thinking could be different from what engineer understands and develops and deploys and we don't want to have a 9 months go by to find out that's not what i look for and so i think it's a concept of trying it out and understanding who the user is and what is your tam and testing it out if it makes sense oh we thought it will make sense but it not then can we turn it off and move forward so that's the true agile and not every feature or capability that we think will click will click but can we get metrics it's not just about projects going live but after going live can we are we seeing value are people using adopting if not we should also start turning things off otherwise it will start creating more complexity to the user so it's an overall agile mindset of how the requirements or feature asks come how we develop how we see them use and how we tweak it so it's an ever going cycle is what i would say yeah thank thank you prakash and ather i i would like to sort of pivot that to you because um you had, we joked about this we could spend a whole hour talking about how do you you know change the direction of a battleship um but you used the term you know we have to find opportunities to disrupt ourselves and you have this unique purview looking across the bank um how do you make that justification for hey this is something that's worth doing and then what are the metrics you use to justify justify financially this is something worth testing but as prakash was talking about what are the metrics you then use to say okay not going to work we're not going to spend you know good money after after bad how do you think about that that calculus of placing your your bets in an iterative agile fashion Yeah it's it's a it's 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 a, a bit of art and a bit of science if you ask our if you if you pull our CFO in here he would say that um 
Look, I think that there's a couple things we've had to do. One, you have to size both the market and also the kind of what we earn in and where our market share is and what our upside is. So what our opportunity is. And then Kelly, what we have to lose. And so when I think about as a bank of our size, scope and scale, you know, payments was one of those areas that was very clear that it's a significant part of our top line and bottom line. And it's a place under, you know, great transformation. So it's an area we have to ring fence. And then we have to then go and dig in and look at it and say, all right, um, I had to look at it from a financial side, understand the, you know, what's the what way to gain and lose. But then I also had to look at our, the organization and figure out our, where are we ready? Or where are we advantaged to change? Where do we have, right. you know, we're not, not as mature. And so, you know, if we cannibalize it, it's okay. Um, and we can show we can do something different on top of it versus places that are, you know, basically the cash cows that we really don't want to break this down because it has to fund that future innovation. So it's a delicate right. balance, but then you also have to find the third dimension, that Z-axis, which are who are the people who have the right skills to help you do this? Because I need mm -hmm. people who understand the business as well as under, understand the core technologies, be it cloud, AI, um, you know, how APIs are leveraged, how ecosystems uh, work, how platform models work, and then can can really lead a cross-functional team to really yeah. help get everyone flowing. Because that's usually the gap is you have a business leader who understands the as is and how it currently works, but doesn't think about the future. And you have engineers who are constantly thinking about the future or as Prakash is talking about, thinking about features they could add, but don't understand how the business works or the client values. You got to bring all that together into a domain yeah. that you can then experiment on and show some results. We started you know, our journey with a digital factory. You know, everyone was still skeptical that branches were going to be a significant part of the future forever. And we said, well, they are today and they're probably going to be for another five or 10 years, but they're not going to be forever. You know, when my children who are in their you know, teens and 20s have families of their own, they're not going to go into bank branches. It's just not going to happen. It's not how they grew up. They grew up on phones. And so we have a journey to make. So we start with digital factory and my team, and then we're sort of morphing it to, okay, now we can run this front to back in certain places. There's certain businesses, client sets where, yeah, let's try that. And so we're sort of, you know, slow stepping the organization along. But again, Wells Fargo is a 245,000 person organization. So it's moving an army. And so you have to sort of do it deliberately, but give them direction and give them proof points. Those proof points are we have integrated OKRs across all of our businesses. Uh, and we use those to really check in with the leaders quarterly and say, are we achieving the things short term you need to drive the budget? And longer term, there's other proof points between client satisfaction, usage, et cetera, that say these things matter. And so we track, like I get a daily report on, we just launched a new product yesterday. Uh, and so I get daily reports on you know, what's adoption look like. And we keep an eye on that. And then we sit down with the business leaders and say, all right, is this what we think what we're doing? Let's tweak it and move it. But it's, a, it's engagement from all to achieving those objectives. Yeah, I, I love that. I think what's so interesting about your role is you have strategy and innovation. Uh, we, I think we, there was a decade there where people created chief innovation officer roles that were out doing skunk works. And what you articulated in your response is that healthy tension of, you know, keep the cash cow going so you can fund innovation, have OKR so that for the existing paradigm, um, we maintain focus on what the key results are for the organization, the 200,000 people who aren't working on the net new just yet and not lose sight, not get complacent. Don't let someone else get that next tranche of, of value proposition and own the mobile space. Um, and, and you talked in your interview with Peter in January just about how important mobile first 
uh, becomes not mobile only, but mobile first. And mm -hmm. so uh, I'm personally as a, uh, a three decade customer of Wells, very excited about what y'all are up to uh, and excited to, to see the, the next round of innovation coming to, to my mobile phone soon. So Aether, thank you so much for, for joining us.